There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You know when you're sniffly and you can't breathe through your nose, so you breathe just through your mouth? The show's like that. It's like breathing through your mouth and then tasting the world on your tongue and then closing your mouth and then swallowing the goodness of the world and then um, not choking and then being at one with the universe. Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Oh, you know when you watch these cookery programs on the TV? Mm, yeah. Things like Bake Off and, and what have you, which I think you've recently become a big fan of. I have, very much a big fan of, yeah, a bit late to the game. But, but like, still. you never cared for it when it was on the BBC. <laughs> no, no, now I love it. Yeah. Um, but you're watching these shows and, and you just end up salivating, thinking, I wish I could eat that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not about to happen on this podcast. Oh. So, Annabelle, do you want to tell us what you oh, have brought with you today? Come on, I bought you some brownies, which I think was nice of me. It was a nice gesture. A gesture, okay. Now, it's something I'm good at because I, I by and large, care about people's feelings, mm. is tasting something and then pretending that I'm enjoying it because I don't want to hurt the other person's feelings. You never fussed with that me before. Well, you know, it's because you're like family. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. To be yeah. honest with you. You've always been very honest. Maybe it's been so hideous you've not been able to disguise the disgust. <laughs> Um, so, so tell us, tell us what you've brought. Today. Okay, well, uh, as I said, I bought brownies, and they are beetroot brownies because my sister brought me some beetroot brownies around, and they were delicious. They were really chocolatey, and she also brought me loads of beetroot because she'd grown loads on her allotment. So I thought, well, I'm going to do the same. But unfortunately, mine turned out much more beetrooty than chocolatey. So here's my problem: Why make a brownie out of beetroot? I like know. that's like saying, "Oh, should we make a Sunday roast out of a Twix <laughs> or a barbecue out of a lolly?" <laughs> like, why do it? Well, her brownies were so nice, and I thought, "I'm going to have some of these." Do you know what they're not as nice as chocolate normal brownies? brownies yeah, normal yeah. brownies. Yeah, they're not. They're not. I agree. And and here's the thing: you are heavily pregnant at the moment. Yeah. So the only people people the the only reason people eat this stuff <laughs> is because they're worried about their weight. <laughs> And they're pretending to themselves that it's enjoyable when it isn't. Mm. But you don't need to worry about that. I don't know what I was thinking, really. I just wanted to use the beetroot arm in a, in a way that I thought would involve chocolate. <laughs> That's the truth. It's a weird craving you've got. <laughs> no. Is that what's going on? No, it's really not. Um, you, you turned up at my house not in a great mood today because of your experience as a pregnant lady on public transport. Yeah, I got really angry with everyone on the London Overground because nobody gave me a seat. And it happened at the weekend as well. So you haven't got one of those badges which says baby on board or I'm pregnant, give me a seat or whatever they say. I am very obviously pregnant. You, you are, but I'm, yeah. I'm interested to know why you don't why do you, why don't wear one of those badges. Because I have got an issue with that badge, which is mainly because 
I haven't had to commute in rush hour, so I haven't needed one. So therefore, I kind of feel like, well, there are lots of people who need a seat. They might be really tired or hungover or have a gammy leg. I don't know. Can you say gammy leg? <laughs> you can say gammy okay. leg. Okay. I don't think people who are hungover are worthy of sympathy. No, self-inflicted. I, I've probably felt worse hungover than I have pregnant. In fact, I want to say probably. I know I have. So are you suggesting they do a special badge for hungover people? I think that would be a very good idea. They just mm. have badges for all different occasions. Do you know what? I love giving up my seat to a pregnant lady or an old person on the tube. Because you feel great about yourself. I just feel, yeah. So I don't want to do it. No. I want to stay sitting down and I will often position myself right in the middle of the carriage Mm. so that I'm a long way from these people who who get on who are pregnant or infirm or whatever. But if I am close to those doors, my eyes are darting around at every stop. I'm looking, I'm trying to see, is that a bump? Is that not a bump? Because we, you know, we've all made that mistake before, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. you know, rather be rude and stay sitting mm. than get that one wrong, Ugh. as we all know. Yeah. But once I see somebody and say, hey, would you like my seat? I just feel like such a hero. And I kind of like look around the carriage, hoping that the other passengers will just give me a nod, thinking, what a guy. If they all just started clapping. <laughs> Wonderful. Is that the dream? I, I'll tell you what, the other one I love is really helping people with a pram upstairs. Oh, do you like to hate doing that? Oh, I love it. I just think I'm going to drop it. <laughs> I feel such a hit. And the, 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 the dilemma I have in that situation is I don't know whether to say, look, I've, I've got a little one as well and I know how it is, so let me lend a hand. Mm-mm. Or to, to not say that, maybe even take my wedding ring off. <laughs> because you look even more oh. generous and, uh, and, and sympathetic as, as somebody who doesn't have a kid. Yeah, do that. Doesn't that make you a greater person? It does. I haven't got a kid of my own, but yeah. I'm such a sensitive guy <laughs> yeah. that I know to help you up the stairs with your pram. Mm. Would you consider nominating me for a Pride of Britain award? Because <laughs> I, mean, I really think I deserve it with all these heroic deeds. Yes. This is warm and friendly, and you like it. And that's why you're here. You were the one that pressed play after all with your thumb. Adrift. With Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. You have a lovely thumb. Please join in with the podcast, share your story with your fellow drifters and us. You can email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. Heather writes, when I was a well-behaved, law-abiding young child, my grandparents used to come and stay every other weekend. My granddad worked on a dairy farm, so these were his only days off, and they chose to drive quite a long way to spend it with us. One fateful weekend, I feel a bit sick thinking about this, we'd finished our Sunday dinner, and whilst my mum and granny were doing the dishes, it was my job to wipe the table down. Now, this table was covered in the type of debris that can only be produced by a Sunday dinner, rogue peas, abandoned and blobs of stuffing, bits of chicken and lots of gravy. Once the dishcloth was heaving with these leftovers, my dad leant over to me and said, go and chuck that in your granny's face. (laughs) While I briefly questioned how wise this was, but my dad was six foot four and was quite strict. So after I gave him a really look and he gave an encouraging nod, I burst through into the kitchen. I said, granny, And as she turned round with the sweetest look of anticipation as to what her granddaughter was going to tell her, I flung the cold, filthy dishcloth right in her lovely face. As soon as I'd done it, I realised that maybe I shouldn't have followed my dad's instructions and he was suitably admonished for causing his mother-in-law to receive a face full of leftovers. I still feel ill thinking about it to this day. I'll be honest, the way I thought that story was going to go is that she'd misheard him and he'd said, Ben. <laughs> that's the strangest thing. 
<laughs> and then she did it. That <laughs> <Like>, poor granny. <laughs> Sorry. Oh dear. Oh, that's uh, a complicated um, uh, mother <laughs> mother son relationship that was being uh, played out through the granddaughter there, wasn't it? Very much so. Okay, this is from Eleanor, and she says I have a story similar to Jeff's in episode two, I think, about buying the one hundred and twenty pound towels because he felt embarrassed to admit that he couldn't afford them. A couple of years ago, I was about two morning bowls of porridge off needing some new honey and found myself in a town centre which only has one very middle class expensive supermarket in the centre. I had time to kill and thought I'd treat myself and buy my honey in this supermarket. When I got to the aisle, it was a three for two on all honey. Great, I thought, loving a bargain and thinking this was my chance to be eating slightly more expensive honey for a few months at a good price. So I picked up three and took them to the till. That'll be £34, said the cashier. (laughs) I'd accidentally picked up one ridiculously expensive Manuka honey, which also meant I hadn't got three for two on the other two either. (laughs) Of course, I just said, OK, thank you, trying to hide my shock, paid and walked off with over £30 worth of honey. I kept the Manuka honey for about a year until after I moved house, as I only used it on special occasions. (laughs) Oh, and this is from Martin. He says, When I was 18, I worked at a cinema. One day, a colleague and I were tasked with taking in the delivery. The popcorn, cups and various other types of confectionery would be dropped off in the alley behind the building. The alley was also used by employees who smoked. It would take approximately 20 to 30 minutes to walk the stuff from the back to the front and into the stockroom. This was a high crime area, so one of us had to stay with the items whilst the other wheeled some in. Whilst it was my turn to wait, I decided to hide behind a giant stack of popcorn with the plan to jump out on my colleague when he came back. However, before he came back, two other colleagues came out from a smoke and one of them immediately started talking about her boyfriend cheating on her and how he had subsequently infected her with an STD. The conversation got serious very quickly and I had long missed my window of opportunity to pop my head out and let them know I was there. I had two options, jump out and have it be awkward or wait them out. I decided to wait. They stayed and stayed and stayed. Eventually, my delivery partner arrived back. He started speaking to the other two and asked if they'd seen me. They obviously hadn't, so he rang my phone. Oh, no. My loud ringtone (laughs) echoed around the almost silent alley. The three of them walked towards the giant sack of popcorn. So I did what anyone would do in that situation. I laid down, closed my eyes (laughs) and pretended I'd just gone for a nap on an alleyway floor. Lots for a hiding story and you got one. Oh, that is so good. Um, We would love to hear from you. I would especially love to hear more from Heather about her father because this couldn't have been an isolated incident. I'm sure not. There must be more eccentricity there. So, um, yeah, we'd love to hear from you, Heather. But also from you, if you've got any kind of story of social inadequacy or something that makes you cringe years later, the sort of stuff that we've been um, sharing with you so far on the podcast, then please... Email us, hello at adriftpodcast.com. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port are adrift with you, which is saying something about you. All right, Annabelle, you left us on a cliffhanger last week. I did, yeah. So I was telling you about my lack of musical ability and how I was forced to give up the piano. 
But I think I had this incredible optimism that maybe I just hadn't found my instrument yet. Because sometime in my teens, I decided I wanted to play the banjo. Now, I was thinking back earlier as to why I decided this, and I'm completely bewildered because I had no interest at all in country music. I didn't know any banjo players. The only thing I could think of is I really like the song Golden Green by The Wonder Stuff, and that features a banjo, and I was very taken by the sound of it. <laughs> now, my parents, perhaps understandably, weren't convinced by any of this, so I saved up £5 a week from my paper round money for two months until I had enough money for half a banjo. <laughs> showing I was serious, a bit weirdly so considering my age and what I was buying. And then my dad went out and got me one, a whole one. All I needed now was lessons. So my dad found this guy called Bob, who also lived in Basildon, where, as I mentioned last week, my piano teacher, Monica, lived. And I know I'm making it sound like Basildon is the Memphis of Essex. <laughs> so I should say it's very much not. And nor was Bob Earl Scrubs. <laughs> Bob did, though, have a comb over and a wide selection of the most 70s style shirts you could ever imagine, as well as a slightly unconventional teaching technique. Which was that he'd pick a song each week, which varied from Donovan to the Beatles. So not much variation at all, actually. <laughs> and then he would record himself playing and singing the song, quite often on the guitar, not the banjo. I'm actually looking back, not 100% sure how proficient he was on the banjo. And I'm struggling to remember <laughs> if he even owned one or if on the rare occasions that he picked it up, if he just used mine. His singing could be best described as quavering. <laughs> So he'd record the song onto a cassette, which I'd then take home to practice from. And then at the beginning of each lesson, I'd perform it without the singing, don't worry. And then he'd record the next song and so on. I think perhaps you can see now why I didn't advance very far, even though I had at least three years of lessons. They were only half hour lessons, though. So usually my dad gave me a lift and sometimes afterwards, Bob would ask my dad for a lift into Basildon Town Centre, even though it was in the opposite direction to us. But my dad would always give him one. But despite his very best efforts, Bob would never reveal where he was actually going. He'd just direct <laughs> us to drop him off at a very general location. And it was quite a skill to avoid telling us as my dad would often just directly ask him, so where, where are you going tonight then, Bob? <laughs> I'd say the best guess I ever had was satanic worship, but that's like the best guess I could have. Anyway, one time my sister drove me to my lesson and decided to come and sit in on it while she was waiting. And this particular lesson, Bob had on a very wide collared shirt that was emblazoned with psychedelic looking mushrooms and gnomes. And he'd strayed from the songs of the 60s and 70s and chosen this religious gospel style song, which I'm, so, I'm sure sounded amazing on a banjo. And as he performed it and recorded it midway through the lesson, and he's really putting his all in because he's got this extra audience member, my sister. And it was all a bit much for her. And I've never before or since seen anyone trying so hard not to laugh which made me want to laugh so much that I'm surprised I don't have scarring on my palms from digging my nails in so hard. Now, at this point, what I'm sure you'd love me to do is pull out my banjo and give you a quick blast of hurdy-gurdy man. But very sadly, a few months ago, when I last pulled out my banjo, it had somehow, in its case, fallen apart. The bit that holds the strings at the bottom had snapped off, so the strings were all loose and it's just totally not fixable. And I've got no idea how it happened, but I did eye my boyfriend suspiciously for a few days. I also do think that is a very fitting end to all my musical endeavours. 
Hi, uh, do you mind if uh, just signing on this uh, clipboard? Uh, it's just four dollars a month. You can give money to this charity, and then uh, it will just come straight out of your bank account. And then we can turn into an evil corporation and take over the universe, and then kill babies and small children and women. Jeff Lloyd, um, Annabelle Port, Adrift. If you're enjoying the podcast, we'd love it if you could pledge a little bit of money through our Patreon page. The pledges start at one US dollar a month, which used to be about fifty p, but. I'm- <laughs> <laughs> Not sure what it is now with Brexit and so on. And we've got different levels on there. So if you pledge a dollar a month, then we will give you a title. It's called Cash for Honours. Annabelle, you've been busy bestowing titles on people the past, past couple of weeks. I've done loads of them, yeah. And by and large, are people liking the titles that you give them? Mostly. Mostly people are happy yeah, with what I've, I've bestowed, bestowed upon them. So what percentage of people would you say are saying, Annabelle, I don't like my title, can I have a new one? Uh, 10%. And how does that make you feel? Well, <laughs> as I say in the email to them, you're more than welcome to pick your own. But a little bit of me thinks, what was wrong with my one? <laughs> so you feel insulted. Yeah, but sometimes it's very understandably so. Like there are reasons. But you say only sometimes. Yes, yeah, just sometimes. Yeah. With, with hindsight, do you think we set the bar too low at a dollar a month for that? <laughs> Considering the amount of time it's taken me, I'd be looking at $100. No, I think it's fine. So please, if you could chuck a little bit of money our way, we would be ever so grateful. If you go to patreon.com stroke adrift, Patreon, by the way, is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And it's all very easy. It'll walk you through how to do it on there. And there are different levels of pledges you can make. As I say, starting at a dollar and then up from there, $2, you get to um, hear episodes of Deleted Stuff. The first one of those, I think, will be coming out in maybe three or four weeks' time. Um, we're going to do special podcasts just for Patreon supporters and videos. And as you donate more, you know, we've got a tier which is um, $20. We will send you a little video on your birthday mm-hmm. and send you a birthday card, which Annabelle will hand make. Yep. And so on it goes. And if you would like to pledge, patreon.com stroke adrift. Soon people will know that we don't know what we're doing. Adrift. All right, something that's been preying on my mind for the last couple of weeks is we, we went to karaoke the other week. Oh, yeah. And I love karaoke. Um, I particularly enjoyed your rendition of I Touch Myself as a Heavily Pregnant Lady. <laughs> it was always a good song to do karaoke, yeah. We, uh, but I think the the, the heavy pregnancy really, mm. the huge bump really <laughs> put an extra something, mm. added an extra dimension to the song. And I put a little video of that up on our Facebook page. Oh, great. People, people want to see it. I think people deserve to see it. I know it's a private moment. (laughs) Anyway, um, I love karaoke. It is the one social environment where I feel at my absolute most comfortable. And I think we all know why, because you don't have to do any talking. This this is right. So if you said to me, would you like to come to dinner with six of my friends you Mm. haven't met before? I'd Mm. say, no, absolutely not. In fact, if you said to me, would you like to come to dinner with six of my friends who you know very well and who are also your friends? I'd find a way to wriggle out of it. Okay, yeah. But if you said, would you like to go to karaoke with six strangers who feel some degree of animosity towards you? (laughs) Yeah, I'll I'll be there. I will be there. It must be because there's a script. Yes, it's, it's it's loud, so you don't have to talk. Yeah, and and you're right. The words are up there on the screen. Mm. And also, I think there's something heroic about the way I do karaoke, because I don't have a conventionally good voice, but I really throw myself into it with a plum. You do, and I think people respect that. Yeah, God loves a trier. Yeah, yeah. 
Anyway, despite what I just said about I'd be happy to do it with strangers, when when you are inviting people to karaoke, I think you want the right mix of people. Mm-hmm. You want people who are going to bring a bit of energy. People aren't going to be too backwards about coming forwards onto the microphone. So when we arranged this karaoke the other week, I invited this friend of ours, John, mm. who actually is a former lover of yours. Oh, please. I mean, that's a long time ago. And let's not use the word lover. I mean, like... We were br- we briefly dated. How did, like, it, how did it end? Oh, he finished it with me on my birthday, at my birthday party, and didn't bring a present. Okay, just always good, always good <laughs> to mention that. That's why I bring it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, John, John has got a lot of energy. He's kind of got a Liam Gallagher-ish vibe. A bit of swagger, isn't he? A bit he? of swagger yeah, at yeah. karaoke. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's a middle-class lawyer's son from <laughs> Cheshire, but, but he, he, he certainly affects mm. that, um, that personality. And... And for many years, I've considered John a good person for karaoke, mm. but I'm starting to think that he's actually a terrible person to invite to karaoke. Okay. So firstly, when he when he thinks you're not looking, he bumps his songs up the list. I've seen him do it. So that he gets to sing more often than other people. I've seen him delete one of my songs. But increasingly, mm. he he doesn't shut up. So... I think it's great when everybody joins in on the choruses of the songs that you're singing, Mm -mm. but it's your moment. When you're on the mic, it's your moment. Maybe you've chosen to do a duet with somebody, but that's your choice. Yeah. And he just sings so loudly throughout everybody else's songs. And even during the instrumental bits, he (laughs) durders. I'm starting to find it ruinous. You're not happy, are you? No, but um, is, is, is... is that on me? Am I right to feel unhappy? Am I being a killjoy? Because should it just be this big party atmosphere where everyone's joining in and singing together, a big happy sing-along? What is the correct etiquette? I'm going to find out in this week's The Incident. Tom Fletcher is a multimedia polymath and founder of the band McFly, in which he plays guitar and sings. He's not a fan of karaoke. Well, I, I, I try to avoid it at all costs. I really don't like... I feel like this weird... Well, I, I, I avoid most social situations anyway. I don't really <laughs> like going... I don't go like going out and mingling. Yeah. And then when I do, I don't really like being, you know, the centre of attention. And, and then so the idea that I'll have to go out and socialise and at some point get up on stage and be... Or, you know, stand up in front of everyone and sing. And then, you know, I sing for a living and... You know, I know that I, you know, I'm not the world's best singer by any means, but because I do that and that's my job, I feel this weird pressure like everyone yes. expects me to be good. But I also think that kind of the point of karaoke is not being good or it's like the unexpected, you know, it's, it's being good unexpectedly. Yes. And so I had this weird thing where like if I sing like I'm performing with the band, every, I kind of feel like, oh, I'm just showing off and I get like a bit of a <laughs> negative, <laughs> negative response. Uh, but if I sing badly... That, you know, if I just, you know, pretend and, you know, half, you know, I just kind of mock, you know, sing, just pretend to sing or something, then people think, oh, he's not very good. He can't really sing in real life. <laughs> Let me ask you this. How could I go about having more presence at karaoke so that this guy, John, can't dominate? Well, I think the thing with karaoke, though, it's not just about the singing, is it? It's about the performance. Mm. You know, it's about your stage presence and your, you, I, know, you don't have I have to very little in the way of presence, full stop, in life or right. on stage. Yeah, see, that's totally my problem as well. Like, <laughs> I'm fine if I have a guitar. I feel like when I'm, when I'm with the band, I get away with it because I've got like my bandmates there. I've got a guitar in front of me, which makes me feel invisible. You know, and a microphone on a stand. Whereas at karaoke, you're totally 
You know, right. you have to stand. What do you do with your arms? Do I move? Do I dance? Yes. Do I move my legs? And in the I bits where, the bits where it goes instrumental and it says instrumental 24 seconds, what are you supposed to do in those bits? I know, isn't it? Oh, that's when you realise. But I have that moment, because I don't go that often. I do. I have those moments where I think, oh, I didn't think this through. It's got a really long intro or like a really long <laughs> guitar solo. Or, you know, this horrible moment where everyone's looking at me and there's no singing. What do you do in those situations? <laughs> Actually, I had the weirdest karaoke experience in, in Japan. Have you ever been to japan i haven't no oh, they they love karaoke there's mm. loads of karaoke bars and um it was an album launch uh, over there for us and the record label took us out to karaoke but i don't think we sang it was just the record label singing so all these record label executives singing our full album in karaoke to us <laughs> as we just sat and watched <laughs> have you got a, have you got a special face for uh, for that type of occasion no, I just say I, I kind of avoid, I, I, I just go and go to the toilet and sit on the toilet for a while and, and leave the room. <laughs> so I think maybe the thing to do with this friend of mine then is to just phase him out, isn't it? Mm. Maybe to audition for replacements. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't. I'm, I'm, you can't have me. I'm not coming. <laughs> have you um, have you ever done one of those um, charity songs where there are lots of people all singing at the same time? Um, I think, yeah, do you know, we must have been involved in a couple, like, <laughs> must a couple have of things. Like, we have, I'm sure we have been, yeah, there's been a few situations where there's loads of people singing. And do people try and grandstand in those moments? Is there a certain type of person who would do the vocal acrobatics and, and try and dominate? Yeah, it's like I'm at one end of the scale and there's someone else. There's definitely people at the other end of the scale. So I will probably not even sing. I'll just kind of move my mouth, uh, you know. <laughs> it's like national anthem <laughs> just, singing. <laughs> yeah, I'll just mime along. And then you do, yeah, you, you totally get people who really, you know, project their voice, do all the, you know, the vocal acrobatics and everything, all the riffs. I just, uh, yeah, I find it, you know, that a bit awkward. Catherine Jaquez is a comic actor and writer. She's also a regular karaoke companion of mine, but interestingly, she's never met John. Well, what would happen if, while he was singing, if you got up and had similar behaviour, if you arms round him, possibly <laughs> shirt over your head so your torso's exposed like you're going for it in a football chart and you really went for it in one of his songs. What, what would his reaction be? Would he be pleased? He might be pleased because presumably he assumes that's just a sign of encouragement. Maybe. I, I just think he's so self-obsessed he wouldn't even notice that that was going on. Okay. I mean, I'm quite traumatised at the thought of my shirt being off in that that scenario, or any scenario, to be perfect. I think we all are, actually. I think as soon as I'd said that out loud, I, I wished that that wasn't an image that was, <laughs> that was in the ether. But now it is. Yeah. We're going to have to pretend it didn't happen. I, my honest response is, I've been to karaoke with you a couple of times. You yeah. now seem to be re talking about arranging other karaoke events possibly with or without john which i've got no knowledge of so my immediate response is absolutely jack all to do with john it's more <laughs> is this jeff's way of explaining to me why i haven't been invited i have circles i have karaoke circles i don't think you want the group to be too big otherwise you don't get to sing enough you've had to hastily add that as because <laughs> now you've suddenly realized <laughs> feeling left out okay so, so there's a circle of people. Does John have a partner who you're thinking that will carry on inviting, but not John? I hadn't considered that. I mean, I thought if he if he goes, then she has to go too. Really? Yeah, I don't think you can invite her without him, unless you could find a time where you know. This is what I've done in the past: find a time when you know John's away, and then invite the wife and say, "Oh, obviously John's invited," and then of course you'll know that John won't be able to come. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's so, so sm- I- that's so smart and so devious. Yeah, that's. I would go around it in that way. I, I would never be brave enough to do that in person and actually confront him about it. Although I guess that would be the grown-up thing to do. But I think the reality is you've got to go to some sort of elaborate subterfuge You're right. I and mean, arrange it on a night when he's not going to be there. This isn't a podcast for grown-up behaviour. No. Well, I'm aware of that. So I think I'm on safe ground in suggesting some kind of circular route i think is it that's certainly what i would do soraya hashim was herself the subject of the incident a few episodes ago you may remember she went to new york city for 20 days and didn't follow a single one of my recommendations she's also a journalist of sorts in sweden and recently wrote a big piece on karaoke her favorite song to sing to be with you with mr big Okay. Okay. Yeah, but if I if I don't do that one, I'll do like always with Bon Jovi. Right. Right. Yeah. So uh, so you you really go the soft rock route when you're at karaoke. Yeah. Yes. I do. Okay. Because there's so much emotion in it, so you can really like, literally, I'll go down on my knees and I'll like do a whole thing uh, with my hands. It's very degrading. It's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> what what is um what is your opinion on other people singing along while you're on the mic? I love it. Right. Do you feel there's a point at which their singing could become too loud or they are gate-crashing your performance? Only if they take up the other mic. Like, if they just sing without a mic, like a chorus, I'm mm. fine. But if they take up the mic and then, you know, they're not on key or, or they're ruining it or something, I'll, like, it depends who it is and it depends how many times they've done it in a row. So it sounds like you, you might be as annoying to do karaoke with as my friend John. So how do I handle this? Do I just stop inviting him or do I have it out with him? No, just stop inviting him. To- like what, what could you possibly say that could like be that, that he could take in a normal way because it's not normal to feel this i mean it's normal to feel it but you don't talk about it mm. so like what what could you possibly say that wouldn't make you sound like an asshole how, how would you feel if somebody had a problem with some of your behavior and instead mm. of addressing it with you outright brought it up on a podcast they, yeah you've done that so <laughs> Do you think that is a good way for me to address my my uh, problems with my various social acquaintances? <laughs> it depends on if you want to keep them or not. <laughs> well, uh, I laughed. I had fun. But then I felt like you didn't want to talk about it afterwards. Oh, it no. awkward. I mean, it's, it's, all, it's all out in the open now. There's no reason to go back to it. <laughs> okay, so you feel you've like punished me enough in front of people and now you're done with it? Yeah, we can move on. <laughs> we can move on with our friendship. Wow, great. Okay. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Excuse me. Do you have any wood? Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port, Adrift. Ooh, I'm in the stream.
A couple of matters arising from previous podcasts. Pordy says, I'm just listening to episode six, read the woman in the coffee shop dismissing the idea of sitting with you. Maybe she thought you had a beautiful smile and fancied you, but upon seeing your wedding ring, decided against sitting beside you, lest she couldn't trust herself, and having seen your sleep-deprived dead eyes and baby vomit <laughs> on your shirt, assumed you must have a family, so didn't want to be a home wrecker. Just my thoughts. Pordy, you sound like somebody who's very capable of lying to yourself and <laughs> it's a skill that I would like to develop so yeah keep it up yeah yeah and this comes from Mitch who says could you clear something up for me please on last week's podcast the AP part of GLAP I think that's me was heard repeatedly saying the word licorice now not only am I a massive fan of the sweet and have eaten my fair share of all types I have never heard it called licorice what? I know she's had problems pronouncing other words in the past, so I thought this may have been another example, but chose the phonetic option. Am I saying it wrong? I, I, I don't know. So I will say what I, how I think it's pronounced. Licorice all sorts. Salty licorice. Oh, can I have some salty licorice ice cream, please? Love a bit of licorice, me. That's what I'm saying. Licorice. Licorice. I think that's what you're saying. Oh, no. <laughs> now I'm, I'm paranoid that I'm also saying it wrong. We need to hear back from Mitch to hear how he thinks it should be said. Mm, but yeah. this email came in four days ago and it's, it's all I've thought about. And, and it's the only one we've had on the subject. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Licorice. well, I'm, I'm intrigued. Any more on that, please? We'd love to hear from mm. you. Um, hello at adriftpodcast.com. Also, I know I say this every week, but we would really like it if you took the time to give us a rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us out if people can see us on that iTunes chart there. So if you could just take a few minutes to do that for us, we would love you forever. Terms and conditions apply. I mean, if you turn out to be a racist, mm. maybe maybe less so. Yeah. Um, and if, you, if, you know, if you're not on iTunes, if you've done that already... If you want to go out there and evangelise, go tell it on the mountain. We would appreciate that as well. Although, as I've said before, I do worry about people ruining friendships and relationships by recommending this podcast. It's a bit like, you know, in films when they recruit somebody to be in some kind of criminal organisation. Mm. You've been watching Ozark? Yes. Have you finished it? No, not yet. But anyway, uh, I should give you a quick summary of what that is. It's about... Um, a very normal white collar guy in Chicago who works in finance, but small time, like helping people manage their money, who becomes involved in money laundering. Mm. But the the drug cartel that picks him out, you know, you you really get the impression that they targeted him very, very carefully, and they've really groomed him to do this. And I think the same applies to trying to get people to listen to this podcast. <laughs> I mean, you need to ensure that you are targeting the exact right person. And then a, a bit a bit of like grooming. Prepare them first. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, we we really love it. If you could find us some new listeners and rate and review us on iTunes. Lasers. This is a drift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. I'm a DJ. So I rang Annabelle the other day. This is how it went. Hello. Hi, it's me. Hello, you're right. Yeah, what are you doing? Oh, you know, just at home. <laughs> Being heavily pregnant. Yeah. Um, I was I was thinking about your baby coming soon and the way that I believe the children are our future. <laughs> okay, go on. And thinking about 
you know, really, as I think it was Tony Blair said, it's all about education, education, education. And he said that before there was that TV show, Location, Location, Location. Um, <laughs> right, yeah. And I was thinking, for the, for the sake of your unborn child, why don't you try and lobby for something that you think is valuable to be taught in schools? Oh, okay, yes, okay. Have you got any idea what it might be? I've got a few ideas, yep. All right, I'll leave it with you. And how did you get on? So I am really happy to do this, as I'm really not sure about the current curriculum. Like I know I was taught some very weird stuff at school. In primary school, I had a lesson that was ballroom dancing, which I know sounds like I went to Swiss finishing school in the 1920s. <laughs> Secondary school, we had a lesson called good grooming, which was things like washing under your armpits and, and shaving your legs. Really? Once again, it sounds like I went to Swiss finishing school in the 1920s. <laughs> and neither of these things had been useful in my life at all. I felt that things that might have been useful to me would be things like how to maintain eye contact with someone when they're talking about their feelings or saying something <laughs> nice to me, how to open a child safety cap first time around, not after half an hour of trying, how to stop water bubbling out of an iron when it's on the steam setting and leaving a wet patch with weird brown bits on my clothes, how to motivate yourself to pick up post and junk mail and piece of leaflets from the doormat before it becomes difficult to open and close the door, how to feel comfortable socially without being very drunk, how to be bothered to remove the dirt from a mushroom before cooking it and how to remember to get a pension. And there's things that I wish other people would learn, like don't lean your head against the glass partition on the tube or window of a bus or train, especially if you've got greasy hair or using a hair product, as it leaves a disgusting greasy residue and you can quite often see hair strand outlines in it. It makes me feel sick just thinking about it. And also how not to get water on the floor. I've got a bit of an obsession with water on the floor. Is this about your lover in the bath? No, it's just he can't go in the kitchen even to get like, I don't know, not even like a a glass of water he's getting. So he goes in to get a biscuit. He'll come out and there'll just be water all over the floor. And the same goes for my dog. Like he can't have a little lick of his water bowl. He has to like dribble it everywhere. I spend my whole life walking in water. And then when people come round and they wash their hands at the sink and then they walk with their wet hands to the towel, it drips all over the floor. Oh, I hate it. I've got a real thing. Anyway, any of these are more useful than biology, Mm. unless you're going to be a doctor. I was speaking to someone recently and they'd done for their A-levels, we were talking about A-levels for some reason, Mm. they'd done biology, chemistry and drama, which feels like a really weird combination. So I said so. And he said it's because they'd wanted to be an actor on the TV show ER. And that (laughs) that was the real reason. It wasn't a joke, which I think is amazing. So... Oh, that would be a great topic for people to get in touch with, why you chose the subjects that you did. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I feel that all these things I've suggested could be taught in one subject, society skills, SS for short. And I just need to go straight to where the decisions are made now, which is obviously the Department of Education, which are based in Manchester. And I consider trying to get hold of the Minister of Education, Justine Greening, but I'm a bit worried about how easy this is going to be. So I look at the management team and there's a permanent secretary who does day-to-day running of the department Mm -hmm. called Jonathan Slater. I'm thinking this is perfect. I'm just going to call up him. But how do I persuade him to add SS to the curriculum? And then I have an idea. What if I lie and say I'm from the best school in the world? 
Now, from what I can gather from a very basic Google search, Finland schools are considered to be the best. Mm. So I find the name of one, and now I need a name for their head teacher. And I can't think of any Finnish names, but then I remember the Finnish Sara Alto from X Factor last year, and I think, <laughs> that'll do. So I call up the Department of Education, and I ask to speak to Jonathan Slater, and the receptionist says that she can't put me through. So I explain the situation, and I have to say here that in my head... The Finnish accent I did was brilliant when I practiced it in my head mm. beforehand. As I started speaking out loud to this receptionist, I couldn't quite believe the sounds that were coming out of my mouth. I mean, we'll see how it goes now. But then it was it was like Welsh, but not Welsh. I mean, it was something very strange. <laughs> so I said, hello, my name is Sara Alto from the Kakajavi School in Espoo, Finland. <laughs> Justin Greening asked me to call you as I have some exciting news. <laughs> it's deteriorating. Yeah. What's it regarding, she asks. Perhaps as she just wants to hear more of my accent. We have tried out a new subject on the curriculum called society skills and we found that our society is now functioning at a 42% better rate. <laughs> she interrupts me now and says I have to use an online contact us form. And there's absolutely no budging. She won't hear from <sighs> me that I have to tell her now. Now, the contact us form, it's got different options like question, comment, complaint. But I pick that it's a disclosure in the public interest, including whistleblowing, as I figure they read those ones first because they're more <laughs> exciting, right? So I write, we have just tried out a new subject on the curriculum called society skills. And we found that our society is now functioning at a 42% better rate based on blood pressure readings, sales of guns and licorice consumption. <laughs> So we'd like to recommend <laughs> So we'd like to recommend that you add society skills to the curriculum. The students learn things like how to maintain eye contact with someone when they're talking about their feelings or saying something nice about you and how not to leave a greasy mark on any glass on public transport. You must add this to your curriculum now or we fear your society will disintegrate. Many thanks and all best wishes Professor Sara Alto. I have to give an email address now so I create Sara dot alto dot not the x factor one at gmail.com <laughs> and it's free so i wait to hear back nothing oh. yet get ready for your a level in ss <laughs> do they still do a levels i don't even know <laughs> That was episode eight of our podcast. Thanks for listening. Rate and review us on iTunes or pledge your support in dollars at patreon.com stroke adrift. Share your story of your pathetic attempts to fit in as a member of the human race. Hello at adriftpodcast.com. We'll appreciate it. Your fellow drifters will appreciate it. You are not alone. Thanks to Man and the Echo for the backing tracks and Emily Harrison for the incidental music. Advice this week came from Tom Fletcher. He has a fantastic new novel for kids out. It's called The Creakers and it'd make a great Christmas present for 7 to 11 year olds. Catherine Jaquays. Catherine crops up in a whole load of stuff and you can get her radio sitcom North by Northamptonshire on iTunes. And Soraya Hashim. <laughs> Sorry, that's a little in-joke. Uh, if you can understand Swedish, you can find her in the Metro and sometimes on TV Fura. 
Vince Lynch and Simon Wilcox provided our idents and voiceovers. Patrick Gunning and Iwana Babu provided technical support. Our artwork was designed by Kim Rainey and Carla Gowlett took the photos. Please spread the word of our podcast. Resort to all means necessary, except for violence. And finally, we'd like to dedicate this episode to Banjo Bob from Basildon. Adrift. Adrift. All right, podication time. This first one comes from Will Bowie, who says, Hi, Jeff and Annabelle. Hi. First off, an apology. I left the radio family at the end of the Jeff show as I couldn't keep up with any of your podcasts due to being overworked and underpaid. Mm. I dipped in and out over the following years. However, I did feel a sharp shock when I overheard you guys were leaving Golden Square. Again, I moved on until this Monday gone, when I went searching for a distraction from a visit to my mother's and binged on your first few podcasts. Well, welcome back to the fold. Yeah. I mean, Jeff's show finished uh, back end of 2008. (laughs) Yeah, a while ago. And we finished the radio show this year. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm trying to think what happened in the intervening years. Oh, you're not missing anything. No, I think you can catch up quite easily. It's like when you... um, so don't watch a soap for a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Get back into it very quickly, mm. I find. Um, although, oh no, I mean, sorry, let me just stop here because mm. we have exciting news. Mm, do we? Yes, it's about soap operas. What is it? Some people on Twitter yeah. have alerted you to something that has happened in a soap opera. <gasps> yes. So one of my challenges or one of my campaigns going way back actually not that long ago, was to get James Wilmot Brown, I'm not a bloody yuppie, back on EastEnders. Now, when I started doing this, I suddenly realised that he wasn't anywhere near as funny a character as I remembered. And it was all very unsavoury. And, yes. and, I, and I almost dropped the campaign because I thought, well, this feels a bit wrong to me. It's only a fictional character. I know, but it was just wasn't, there was nothing very funny about it. No. And I suddenly felt a bit weird about like, this whole campaign to bring him back because he was such a despicable character. Anyway, yeah, got some tweets last week, I think, saying that they have brought him back. Now, when I look at the timings, Mm. I do feel that in terms of how far they plan these storylines, there is a direct link between my campaign, can't remember what I did, probably rang at the BBC, (laughs) I'm guessing, and it happening. So I actually think it's the one campaign I did that worked. I wouldn't be surprised, actually, because who who, apart from you and then by association me, is going around thinking about James Wilmot Brown in 2017. I don't know. I mean, I'd like to meet them. <laughs> My soulmate. <laughs> no one. You've put him back on the agenda. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, the the unsavoury stuff isn't what sticks in the mind, though. It's the, it's the fact that it was the late 80s and they thought, oh, yuppies are a real thing mm. here. We need to reflect that in our storylines. I hope he's going to do his catchphrase. I'm not a bloody yuppie. <laughs> do people still call people yuppies? <laughs> they should. Oh. Um, so, so sorry for interrupting the um, podication there, Will, but you will understand that mm. that was big news for us. Massive, yeah. I'll come back to what Will wrote. He says, um, in one day, everything came flooding back. Martin, the security guard, oh. loveliest man in the world. Mm. Minu, the news agent. Mm. Got a WhatsApp from him the other day. Oh, please read it out. Have a look here. I'm just gonna. 
Um, says, good morning, Jeff. Nice. Is that it? I am having a knee replacement on September. <laughs> good morning, Jeff. <laughs> How many knees does this <laughs> man need? <laughs> I am having a knee replacement in September on the right knee on Tuesday the 3rd. He's always having a knee replacement. He's had more than two. I also think he means October. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, he's, I texted back, bloody hell, man, are you, they're going to be, you're going to be the bionic man when they've finished with you. Did he like that? Uh, oh, no reply. He, he wrote, looks like it. Oh, <laughs> good, good, good. Yeah, so, uh, so that's Minu. Mm. Rachel, what brews up for us? Just oh. a presence. Never heard her. I think I'm going for um, lunch with Rachel on Friday. No. Yeah. Oh, send my very best regards. I will do. She's great, Rachel. And she does stand-up comedy yes, now. Yes, yeah, she does. So if you look up um, Rachel Wheely, go and see her. I think she does like lots of like clever, sciencey stuff oh, okay. in the stand-up. Um, Annabelle's Friday song. Mm. Oh, what yeah, does it mean? great, yeah. yeah. What on earth does it mean? Was it, was called, no, was it's it? called, what does it mean? <laughs> Um, Robin Burke being asked to visit a masturbation convention. No memory. What about you? No memory at all. <laughs> good, good. Just checking. <laughs> what the hell? Really? I, I mean, it sounds like it might have happened, but no memory. He lives in Hollywood now and is extremely mm. successful. Oof. Um, <laughs> Just <I'm> jealous. No. <laughs> <laughs> the ultra rude podcast parties. There's too much oh. to mention. Um, he says, with help from Rogue Gorsi, this is Joseph Gorsi on mm. Twitter. I was able to listen to the old Pete and Jeff podcasts. Genuinely made my week. Oh. I remember downloading the first one back in March 2005, where guys, um, we, we, you guys were the first radio show to do a daily podcast. We were. Really? Yeah. Trailblazers. Yeah, I know. Wow. And then like during the Jeff show, we used to always be up there in the higher echelons of the mm. podcast chart. Yeah. When there was no real competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> didn't exactly. really listen to podcasts. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Um, he says, you don't know me, but I feel I know you very well. And it's like being reunited with long lost family members. Oh. I do hope to hear from Uncle Pete one day soon. Oh. So my podication is for myself and all podcast listeners from the last 12 years. Thank you for distracting me from my awkward existence. Much love, Will Bowie. Well, Will, I'm delighted to have you back in the in the fold. Mm. But I don't know. I, I feel like I know a lot about you. You are... Somebody who's a little bit flighty, you get into things and then go off them. <laughs> uh, you you like to visit your mother, but then when you're there, you often feel like you need a little diversion, something to just remove you from the situation. Mm. Um, you have a, a, a memory that is somewhat easily triggered. Yeah. I feel I know him better than my own brother, <laughs> and that really is the truth. Uh, Will, thank you. So it's genuinely great to have you back. Um and this one comes from Denise B, who says, Hello, Jeff and Annabelle. Hello. I found your podcast randomly whilst browsing for new shows to listen to. Oh, a new listener. This is amazing. Oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're like vampires. <laughs> um, I'd never heard your radio show, as I'm not in the UK. I'm sure it was fine, based on what I'm hearing now. <laughs> Do you know if you have any other American drifters? Not sure why I want to know. I guess I'm just curious. Well, we we do actually. Mm. Um, I, I, do you want, you know the I, stats, don't you? Quickly look at some stats. Get the stats out. I'll just get the stats out. I'm just going logging into the Acast app here. So this is. Uh, I would say. We have about a 
quarter the number of listeners in America as we do in the UK. That is really good. Yeah. But there are people all over. I mean, this is the amazing thing. So then it it's the ones you'd expect, Canada, Australia, English-speaking countries, mm -hmm. then Spain, a lot of expats, are, I suppose, and Ireland. Uh, then we get into other European countries like Germany, France, Sweden, and so on. But if I go right down the list, like we've got four listeners in Ghana. Oh. Um, we got three listeners in Myanmar, two in Iraq. One in the Maldives. Could just be somebody on holiday. <laughs> yeah, it could be, yeah. But um, it's it's wonderful. It's amazing to me that people are listening full stop, really, but <laughs> in such far-flung uh, locations. Mm. So, yes, there, and, and I can delve into these stats if you like. Does she say whereabouts in the States she is? Let's have a look. I don't think so. But um, according to my statistics, the, the most likely place for you to be is San Francisco. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Um, there's plenty of places I've never heard of, like Avondale and Goodyear, which come in second. Um, and then Brooklyn and New York after that. But I guess if you were to add those two together, because they're really, I mean, no disrespect to Brooklyn, but it's kind of the same place, right? It's just borough, yeah, borough within. No I think New York would possibly be our biggest ones, but on it goes. Do you want to know where um, we have a listener, but it's our least popular location in America? Yeah. Hang on a second. I will have that. Uh, Yosemite Village. Oh, I love Yosemite. I've been there. Well, there you go. You oh. obviously made an impression. <laughs> so that, I hope that answers your question, Denise. She says, and I'm not really sure why I want to know. I guess I'm just curious. Really, though, I have quite a feeling of superiority imagining I'm the only one over here listening. Oh, I've just ruined it for you. Oh. I was making all that stuff up yeah, to, yeah. to like... make us seem um, more popular than we are, yeah. just in case a Hollywood producer is listening. <laughs> yeah, just in case. Wants to do a biopic. <laughs> <laughs> um, like I've stumbled upon some juicy bit of gossip that I'll get to tell everyone about, mm. and they'll think I'm so cool for letting them in on the secret. Uh, well, I'm sorry it's not quite like that, but I still mm. think you should do that. I mean, tell everybody in America. Mm, everyone. In between you and my mother-in-law, who is in Highland Park, Illinois, I think that would have the whole of the country covered, really. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, she says, could you give a shout out to my daughter, Grace? I'm trying to get her to listen, and it might be easier if she has an incentive. Not that the show isn't incentive enough, mm. but you know how teenagers can be. Or maybe you don't. Let's just say bribery is the key to getting them to do a great many things they don't want to. You could try telling her it's rad. Yeah, really rad. Tell, tell her that. With it. Mm. Mm. Uh, thanks, says Denise. Tell her we wear good crepes. What? That's what the young people call trainers. Crepes? Or sneakers, as they call them in America. Really? Wow. Yeah. Um, P.S. Annabelle, what is it you say on the phone when Jeff calls you? There's your quick hello. Mm. Then he says it's him. Mm. And you say something, but I never quite catch it. I don't know, but actually, can I say something about that? Mm. So I've heard that back a few times and listening back to the podcast, mm. you know, check that it's edited well, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> Just having a listen back. And I think I sound really unfriendly on that phone call and I want to apologise. <laughs> I think it's because you always call me from an unknown number. And so right. I don't know who it is because you'd expect me to go, hi, Jeff. But I just go, hello. Can I just point out at this point, I'm not the type of person who hides their phone number. No, 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 no. Because I think that's, I think. That's a bad thing to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because even though it stops you getting spammy calls and so on, um, 
it it creates an uncomfortable situation for the person on the other end of the phone. Yeah, it's, be, it's because you're recording it, so that's yeah, how it comes I'm up. I'm doing it through yeah. the computer. Um, well, well, we could what reenact it. We could reenact it. Okay. Go on. Ring, ring. Ring, ring, ring. Hello? Hi, it's me. Hi, yeah, you're right. Oh, you're oh, yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. So it's, she sort of slurs, hi, are you all hi, right? Hi, you're right. Hi, hey, you're right. Which yeah. is the uh, traditional British. Yes. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Hiya. Mm. You're right. Um, PPS, I haven't do- donated to your Patreon account because I find your asking for donations comical. <laughs> I'm worried that if you get enough, you'll stop asking. <laughs> I don't think there's any worry of that. Mm. PPPS. Okay, I'm going to stress about the content of this email and whether it came off as funny or just weird. It came off as funny. I enjoyed mm, it immensely. Um, I don't think there was any weirdness in it, really. No. I, I, I completely relate to that thing where she says, I'd get the feeling of superiority thinking I was the only one listening. Yeah. So I can get like that with American TV shows sometimes. Oh, really? You feel like you've you stumbled on something that no yeah, one else knows yeah, about yet? Yeah, oh. which is ridiculous. You know, <laughs> we're in a country of 60-odd million people. Mm. So... Um, but yeah, I, I, I do understand that. All right, there we go. It's the latest edition of the podcast, podicated to Will Bowie and Denise B. And if you'd like a podication or if you have any stories you'd like to share, email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.